Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and that goes for those who are watching online as well. The idea behind this morning's uh, sermon is that um, what does your baptism mean to you? As we heard, we heard the tune and the words of On Jordan's Bank, the old, old hymn and we've also heard the reading but the question I start with is, do you have any really vivid memories from when you were just a little tacker, very young? People who've been here for some years have heard this anecdote before. Does anyone remember anything really spectacular when they were tiny? I do. Because we... <coughs> Leave it Geelong before the war and we had a little holiday shack you'd call it in South Australian terms at Ocean Grove which was a little tiny village and any time it was warm enough to go to the beach we all went to the beach. The adults and some would just lie in the sun and get brown and bring on all the skin problems that I'm living with at the minute of course because the kids did it too. It was a very safe beach, the main beach at Ocean Grove but when the tide was right out there's a set of little rock pools out that way from where we usually sat. And one day when I was just a toddler, I managed to escape supervision and go and sit in one of these rock pools. And a wave came over me and it was the most wonderful experience. I was sitting there quite happily watching this beautiful blue and green colouring above my head it was a fantastic experience. Well, if I'd stayed there, of course, I might have gone straight up to heaven. Skip the rest of the story and you wouldn't be hearing it from me this morning, but someone came down and grabbed me and took me back to where the adults were. I didn't appreciate that. I was really cheesed off because it was such a wonderful experience. So about 85 years ago, I might have just terminated then and gone straight up to heaven, up to kindergarten up there. But when you think about it, that experience had a lot to do with baptism. I went into the water willingly. I let the water come over my head and I had this most wonderful feeling. Excuse me. Right <coughs> happens every time. It was a revelation, and that's what baptism can be about. Because it is a great thing in Christianity to be baptised, because it signifies the entry of someone into the, not just their local congregation, but into the church universal, the church all over the world. Public event, 
some people want private baptisms and ministers don't like doing that because it really should be a public event. Participated, other people there, other Christians. In most denominations, the baptism of people is when they're really tiny, tiny infants. But it works. I'll come to that later. So let's look at the examples of baptism in our two readings this morning. Firstly, from Luke, we're told about the most important baptism of all time, (coughs) that of Jesus. Now, Luke's account of it is very brief, low-key, nothing spectacular, build-up, nothing like that, but it is, in fact, an extremely important thing. It's remarkable. It was a public baptism, sure, and he was going to John the Baptist. He probably would have queued up because all people were being baptised by John, as the story tells us. So Jesus probably had his queue up, take his turn, then get this baptism for repentance and the forgiveness of sins because that was the baptism that John the Baptist performed. Now you think, well, why on earth is Jesus part of the Holy Trinity getting baptised? He wouldn't have any sins to repent of, so how could he repent and be forgiven? So there are several reasons that have been put forward, but some of the most common ones are that, first of all, it was an act of consecration. Here was Jesus publicly acknowledging the fact that he was a... Christian, not only, well, of course he was the Christ, but he was in fact acknowledging that he was specially chosen by God and he was accepting that role. It was a public account and that showed that he was about to start the early ministry, which we read about. He was about 30 at the time. He said it as an example for those who were to follow him. That's why we get baptised. He also was, although he was sinless, identifying himself with human sin. So these are reasons put forward by Jesus, who did not need to be baptised, was. It's unique. Because in it, all three persons of the Trinity were there. His Jesus in bodily form, the Holy Spirit in bodily form, and the voice of God in audible form. So it's certainly a one-off baptism. We can't expect that, nor should we. The other baptism in our readings was from Acts, and this also has a couple of remarkable aspects to it. First of all, it involves Samaritans. Now, you read through the New Testament, you'll find, hear about this obvious, not just unfriendly relationships between Samaritans and Jews, but actual hostility They had different racial origins, but the Samaritans, in fact, did accept the first five books of the Bible. So they started off together with the Jews, Genesis, Exodus, and all that sort of stuff. But then they diverged because they didn't have the prophets, they didn't have the other readings, the Psalms, and so on. They just stuck with the five books, Pentateuch. 
So that's why there was this divergence between them and the Jews and the Samaritans just did not get on, to put it mildly. But in the, today's reading, Samaritans had been baptised. They'd heard the good news, they'd accepted Christ, been baptised by Philip in one of the earliest ministry journeys that Philip took to Samaria. Now if they'd already been baptised, given their lives to Christ, why didn't they get the Holy Spirit at the time? Because as we heard, it was only when Peter and John turned up found they had not received the Holy Spirit that it came to them. And again, there's a bit of a mystery here. Why didn't it happen that they got the Holy Spirit immediately? <coughs> it's thought that because Peter and John were among the leadership of the core group in Jerusalem who got the church in that area up and running, that this was a sign that's coming from headquarters sort of stuff, they're in. It gave a public affirmation that these formerly despised Samarians, could, Samaritans, could in fact become Christian. And this was an absolute revelation that they were. And Peter and John put the seal on this by showing that they were now fully accepted as people of Christ, just as were Jews who'd converted to Christianity. They're publicly seen as members of the same fellowship. So that explains that one. But let's get back to the theme. What does your baptism mean to you? I was baptized, baptized at the tender age of about 26. I've lost my baptism certificate, which is what all kids do, I suppose. But 26, you'd think I'd keep it anyway. So I'm probably in a minority here this morning who've been baptized as an adult. It took me a long time to get around to it. Does anybody who is baptised as an infant remember anything about that ceremony? Infants don't remember much. Our memories don't go back far. So no one remembers the administration of water, the receiving of the church, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because in most denominations, baptism is basically of infants. There are theological reasons for this, but I won't go into them. But I feel that people who are baptised as infants miss out on something memorable that an adult baptism gives to the person who receives that. Jesus was a man when he received baptism. Presumably other people being baptised by John were adults. When Philip went to Samaria... He baptised adults and when Peter and John came they were still the same people. They'd all heard the good news, they'd all given their lives to Christ and they'd offered themselves and been accepted into the body of believers. They'd experienced that joy of receiving the Holy Spirit. So their baptisms to them would have been so wonderful. So those of you here who are baptised as infants, what does that baptism mean to you? You received in the church before you had a clue what was going on. So the significance of baptism had to be developed, had to be taught, accepted, 
and so on as you've come through. So for those who have had these nice smooth transitions from Sunday school, learning about Jesus, learning what it means and then being confirmed, we're able to do what a baptism does to people, confirm your acceptance of the Holy Spirit as a conscience act. Over the years you've been able to grow into your faith and that's great. You know what's going on. If you fit into that category, I think you've been fortunate because it's been a nice, easy process. For the rest of us, it has not. And it's been patchy at the best. It's been far from smooth, far from sequential. Now, some would have gone through the confirmation process, but Christianity hasn't really taken hold of you. I'm not being judgmental here, I'm just stating facts. Because it does happen. Others like me have never been confirmed. Does that mean that people in my category are less acceptable as Christians? The answer obviously is no, it doesn't. Because we are all reassured from time to time that we're welcome to join into God's family. If we are genuinely repentant, if we confess and if we accept Christ into our hearts. And in the Uniting Church, the basis of union describes us as a pilgrim people. We can't just sit still. <clears throat> the pews have gone, the order of service has changed. We're still Christian people, but we're always moving to where God is leading us. As long as we are keeping our eyes fixed firmly on Christ and follow his lead, leading. Being human, we're always going to wander this way and a bit that way, but we follow as we are led. No matter how we have got to become Christian, the important thing is to keep our eyes, as I said, on Christ. So a word for those in the congregation this morning and watching online. If you've not been baptised, it's never too late. <clears throat> because to be baptised makes you feel that much better. Not just that, it accepts the fact that you are now giving yourself to Christ publicly. If you're not being baptised, I suggest you make an appointment with Josh when he comes back from his leave. So again, this question, what does your baptism mean to you? That's an extremely personal question. I've been a bit cheeky asking it. I had my brief view of what to me at the time was heaven, sitting in that little rock pool, watching the water above my head and really feeling that sense of wonder. And that's what baptism, that's what Christianity can do to us. It can lift us out of the ordinary because we are one with God. And that's about it. If you're not being baptised, go for it. You only do it once. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we realise that it's just so hard at times to accept you, to become part of your community of saints. But Lord, we know that you're always wanting us to do just that. 
and we ask you to keep us in line once we have accepted you. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.